All right, I've been doing a series called Seductions of Satan. It's a series on the end times, a series on spiritual warfare and deliverance. And when the Lord put on my heart to do this series, I knew it was going to be long. You know, I'm on part 10. We got a little ways to go. If the Lord permits next week, I'm going to deal with bondages and, and curses and things like that, yokes. But this week, I'm going to deal primarily with the soul. I want people to understand the body, soul, and spirit, but I'm going to deal with the soul and deal with the wounds of the soul. And I believe God's going to set some people powerfully free. All right, so just a prelude to that, let me just encourage you that in these last days, we're going to have to understand the power of communion of the Lord's Supper and implement that in our lives. Are you guys hearing me? There are certain things, you got to understand, the early church laid the groundwork, and God used them in an awesome way. <laughs> But the last day church is going to finish it and see the last day harvest. And we're going to be used in a great way. The Bible talks about the last day church and it's talking about a church of, of victory. When Jesus comes, he's not coming for a defeated bride. Amen. He's coming for a church that's in victory, that's without spot or blemish. And it's going to be a powerful, powerful church that is going to change things in this world. I believe with all my heart, we're looking at not just millions, but billions are going to be brought into the kingdom in these last days. I believe that. The sickle of the Lord is being laid across the earth. And great revival is breaking out all over the world. And just like my friend Jeff in the Philippines, I mean, the power of God, the Bible says in the last days, He's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And so we're seeing the Spirit of God being poured out all over the world. And I do believe there's been so many prophecies about America seeing another great awakening. And with all my heart, I believe that God's not through with America. I do. I believe that. And I believe that America may face some judgment here and there. I don't deny that. But I believe that we're going to see another great awakening. And God's going to sweep through this land. And you know what true great awakenings are? It's where repentance comes. Are you hearing me? It's repentance. It's where God moves by His Spirit and people are convicted. And they begin to turn from their sin. And they, there's an awakening to God. There's a turning back. To, to the what our uh, founding fathers believed in this nation, but also there's a turning of the heart toward God and turning away from sin. And that's what the great, great awakening that's coming will be. It will be a great repentance in this land. Because that's one thing that our nation needs more than anything is repentance. Because a lot of people profess Christianity. It's a cultural thing, but it is not something that you can just have culturally. I know you know that it's not just a religion. There's got to be a turning. There's got to be a born-again experience. There's got to be uh, where God literally is drawing people by His Spirit unto Christ. And that's what's coming. And I want to say this too. Um, we're going to have to understand the power of the Lord's Supper and coming under His blood. I've taught on this a lot, so I'm not going to dwell on it, but coming under the blood of the Lord every day. The blood of Jesus is applied daily. You don't have to take the Lord's Supper to apply the blood. The blood's applied by faith. But you can certainly take the Lord's Supper. It's a very powerful thing. But we're going to have to come under the Lord's blood every day. That's going to be what protects His people in these last days. So make sure that your life is under the blood. And another thing is the power of speaking blessings. All right. 
A few more things I want to mention. I want to dive into this, but just a few things God's laid on my heart. Number one is taking the Lord's Supper. Two, speaking blessings, the power of the spoken blessing, doing that daily, but also just kind of reiterating something that I heard a minister talk about. I shared it with some of you guys about the apostles and the prophets and all of that. I don't want to dwell on this, but it'll probably come up in the sermon some in dealing with soul ties, but the early church that was founded by the Lord himself was founded upon the apostles and the prophets. And one of the things I've prayed for years is I don't want, quote, American Christianity. I want biblical Christianity. I want Book of Acts Christianity. And so anything that's been error, things that have been taught us, I'm asking the Lord to burn that out. And the Lord, when he founded the church, he founded upon apostles and prophets. So therefore, it's going to return to that in the last days. It just is. God's going to bring everything full circle. The way he's always intended it to be is going to be the way that it becomes. In a lot of denominational circles, denominations are just man-made. I'm not against them. I'm not anti-denomination. Please hear me, I'm not. I think that there are people that God has in denominations that are ministers there to help make a difference. But ultimately, it's going to be God's government is going to be established in the earth regardless of who likes it or not. People can kick and scream, they can fight, they can, they can curse it, they can hate it, they can resist it all day long, but ultimately Jesus is still going to establish his government the way he did in the early church. And that is something that's happening. And so we need to be open to that. All right. Now, let me move in this. So once you become a Christian and you really start pursuing being healed and set free and fully cleaned up in life, it can definitely take some time and be tedious. Amen. <laughs> I knew you guys would shout me down on that one. But let me encourage you to be able to receive from others. Be humble and be able to receive from others. But one of the things the Lord is going to do tonight is He's going to help you understand your body, soul, and spirit. And He's going to bring some major breakthroughs, some major freedom. Okay, So I'm going to deal with that tonight. I'm going to deal with soul ties. I'm going to deal with mental strongholds. And I'm going to deal with how the soul can be imprisoned. It can be in bondage. And the Lord is going to bring some major freedom to that. So let's go ahead and dive into this. I have some pictures on the last page that I'm going to be referring back to because... They're not the best pictures, but they will help to illustrate because it's hard to understand the body, soul, and spirit without some illustrations, okay? See, God is three in one. He is Father, Son, and Spirit, but He's one. And He created us in His image, body, soul, and spirit. We're three, but we're one. And when God made Adam and Eve, He created them a spirit being. They had a soul, and they lived in a body, and it was in that order. When they fell into sin, things got reversed to where then people began to live according to the flesh and it became body, soul, and spirit with the emphasis on the flesh, on the body. But when God originally created Adam and Eve, the emphasis was on the spirit. Now let me quickly explain spirit, soul, and body so that you can understand. I'll come back to it later. Your physical body, we know a lot about that, okay? And the way your physical body communicates is through the five senses, your sight. You're hearing, your smell, taste, and touch. You know a lot about anatomy. We know about the physical body. But the one thing I would say is that your physical 
body is where the sinful nature dwells. And it's because Adam and Eve ate with their body, their physical body, they ate the fruit that they were not supposed to eat, and that's why the sinful nature is in the physical body. All right, your spiritual body, your spirit man, is a body, but it is a spiritual body. It looks just like your physical body, but it is a spiritual body. Your spiritual body is your spirit man. That's the part of you when you become a Christian that the Holy Spirit comes to live in your spirit and he in Christ DNA comes into you. The Spirit of God comes into your spirit and you become alive spiritually. That's the born again experience. The candle of the Lord is lit. Your spirit body is the part of your being that communicates with God the most. Your spiritual body is the part of you that can see things spiritually that God gives you spiritually, like dreams and visions, things like that. Your spirit body can see with eyes, can hear, can smell, taste, and touch spiritually. That's your spirit body. And when you die, your physical body is going to go back to the dust, but your spirit body will leave and will go to be with the Lord. Now your spirit, when you're born again, I said that's where the Spirit of God dwells. So your spirit man craves the things of God. There's a cry in your spirit for the Word of God, the presence of God. That's the part of you, like I mentioned, that prays in the Spirit. That's the part of you that's praying in tongues. That's, that's where that comes from, from your spirit. That's why Paul said it's your spirit that prays. And your mind is not fruitful because your mind doesn't fully understand. Okay, But your spirit, man, is praying. So your physical body has a sinful nature. Your spirit body has Christ's nature. And there's a continual battle between the two. So the part of you that's kind of caught in the middle of this battle is the soul. Now, Satan does try to attack the physical body with fatigue and health problems. He does try to attack your spirit. The way Satan's kingdom attacks your spirit is by trying to make it difficult to pray and read the Bible. You feel some kind of resistance. That is the enemy coming against your spirit. Now, your soul area is the part of you that is your personality. It's like a fingerprint because everybody's soul is very different and unique. Your soul area is where your, your mind, your intellect is. When you read books and your mind takes in that knowledge and processes that, that's, that's your soul. Your soul is also your heart and your emotions. You know, people say something hurt their feelings. But really what that is, that's your emotions and that's your soul area. It actually wounded the soul. So your mind and your emotions primarily make up your soul. Now everybody close your eyes for just a second. If I say to you red apple and your mind starts picturing that, that is your imagination. That's the part of you, that's part of your soul, that's your imagination. And it's interesting because that part of you 
is something that God has given you. It's a creative quality that Satan's kingdom, as far as these angels don't have. I don't know if you knew that. The Bible says God created us in his image and his likeness. The image is the spirit, but his, your likeness, being in like, like God, is your soul area. So your soul area has a mind, it has emotions, it's the part of you that makes decisions. Your decisions are based, see you're, you're constantly fighting between the flesh and the spirit, but the decisions are made in the soul area. Your soul's in the middle. And ultimately you're going to decide, am I going to give into the flesh or am I going to follow the spirit, you know? And... Here's the way it works. You get up in the morning and your flesh does not want the things of God. So you have to die to your flesh and you begin to pray and spend some time with the Lord. And what happens is you, as you do, your, your flesh begins to die, spiritually speaking. And you move into your soul area and you start getting your mind focused on the Lord. Your emotions focused on the Lord. You begin to worship and pray. And then if you keep going pretty soon, you get into the spirit. And the Holy Spirit, His presence is there, and your spirit is communing with the Holy Spirit. So it goes from the flesh to the soul to spirit to spirit. And that's why Jesus said true worshipers will worship in spirit. That's why John the Revelator said on the Lord's Day, I was in the spirit. He was in prayer. He had gotten past his flesh and he had gotten his mind disciplined and he was in the spirit. You guys know what I'm talking about. This is a biblical term. I'm going to go deeper with this in another sermon, but I'm, I'm just touching on it now. Okay. But your soul area is also your memory. Many people remember things of their past, negative things that have happened, and they project that, they imagine negative into their future because they remember the negative of the past. And you can't do that. You've got to break that. that that's a cycle from the enemy. Remember, this is how God wants your memory and your imagination to work. King David was faced with looking at Goliath. Everybody around him was afraid. But David said, I remember the bear and the lion. He remembered the past victories. And then he looked at Goliath and he imagined and he said, he's going to fall just like they did. That's how God wants your memory and your imagination to work. That you remember the good of the Lord, his blessings and past victories, and you project that into your future. Because the enemy wants you to see negative things in your past and to be a fearful, worrisome person that looks in the future with fear. So your soul area, not only your mind, your emotions, your decisions are made, your memory, your imagination, but ultimately makes up your personality. And this is one of the main battlegrounds that you're going to face as a Christian. You may face attacks in the physical body, and you're going to face these attacks against the spirit man, but the main battle will be in the soul. The enemy tries to really attack people emotionally, psychologically, and mentally. And he wants to wear people down. And that's kind of where I'm coming from in this sermon because the Lord is the one who comes to bind up and heal the brokenhearted. And that's the healing of the soul. 
So let me read a few scriptures and then start explaining some things about soul ties. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through your spirit, soul, and your body to be kept pure and blameless till the coming of Christ. Your spirit, soul, and body. But look at what, how God is revealed here. God is revealed here as the God of peace. See, whenever God sanctifies and heals your spirit, soul, and body, there's a place of peace that God wants us into. A person that has a wounded soul and it's not dealt with is somebody that does not know peace. They're tormented. Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I'm convinced that some people, and I'm certainly not saying this about anybody here at all, I'm just saying in a general sense, the whole body of Christ, I'm convinced that some people really truly don't want to change. Now, I believe you, that you do, but I'm saying that there are people out there that don't. They, they enjoy the attention they get, you know, the pity parties, the feel sorry for me, and all that type of stuff, and they don't want to change. But the thing is that God, if we're willing to surrender and change, God will come in and He will heal and He will restore the soul. He will. But we've got to be willing to surrender everything to Him. Christianity is primarily made up of two things. Surrender and obedience. Let me say that again. Christianity boils down to two basic things in your walk with God. Surrender and obedience. Surrender is that whatever God is requiring of you, whatever He wants to change, whatever He wants to do, you do not resist that, but you surrender that to Him and let Him do it. That's surrender. And we're living in a time when people are hungry for information, spirituality, and relationships. Now I'm going to deal with soul ties. It's the first thing I'm going to talk about. The body, listen, the body can be sick and the spirit can be wounded and defiled. Listen, when your body is in proper alignment with God's word, it is healthy. When your soul is in proper alignment with God and his word, your soul is happy. When your spirit is in proper alignment with God and his word, your spirit is holy. Now, as I mentioned, we're living in a time people are hungry. They're hungry for what? Information, spirituality, and relationships. Now, with that said... Not every soul tie is a negative thing. So I don't want to come across that way because it's not. But I am going to talk about the negative aspect of soul ties. See, your, your soul area, and this is what I'm going to start dealing with and focus on now, okay? Your soul area can be wounded, it can be fragmented, and it can have strongholds in it. And it can have ties that form to it. Let me say that again. Your soul area can be wounded. It can be fragmented. It can have strongholds in it. 
and ties can form. Now, soul ties come from relationships. They can also come from control and, of course, through sex. Not every soul tie is something that needs to be severed. You know, when you get married, God wants you and your spouse to have a soul tie. Not only that, but there's healthy soul ties because people that are close friends, parents and children, the body of Christ, there can be friendships and relationships that there's, there's a somewhat of a tie, there's a soul tie. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. But soul ties can be a bad thing. It's why God is so adamant in the Bible about sexual purity. Y'all listen to me. Because when, when the Bible says when people have sex, the two become one. They become one flesh that's physical. But the soul area can form a tie with that person. And so part of them, part of yourself can be lost into another person and part of them into you. There's a tie that forms... And now there's something there. And not only that, when people are having sex, it's just like the lens of a camera. Well, used to. Now we have digital cameras. Okay, but back whenever before, not that I remember that or anything. Okay, but back in the day, the old cameras would have a lens that would open whenever you clicked. It would open and then shut. And whenever it opened, whatever was in front of that camera would be captured on the negative. And while people are in sexual relations, their flesh is united, their soul forms a tie, and their spirit, just like the eye of that camera, can open up, and whatever is in that person, all that pollution, can connect to your spirit. And your spirit can be defiled and in need of some forms of deliverance when you become a Christian, especially people that have come out of the occult. And things like that because the spirit is used in the occult and in the dark arts. And they'll need to be cleansed and set free from some things in their spirit. But nonetheless, regardless of marriage or not, sex is a very dangerous thing when it comes to things coming into somebody's life that's not supposed to be there. These people that are just sleeping around outside the confines of marriage really have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea how much pollution they're allowing into their spirit, how much pollution they're allowing into their soul, how they're connecting to so many people in an ungodly way, and how much pollution is in their body physically. Because the Bible says to no longer yield your members to wickedness. And people are yielding their body, their members to sin, and it's defiling their temple, it's defiling their body. Now I'm going to focus on soul ties that need to be broken. One of the things that marks an unhealthy soul tie is control and irrational behavior. Did you know that you don't need everybody in your life? Can I get a big amen? Come on. You don't need everybody in your life. You need boundaries. I realize that you can pick your friends and not your family. Okay, I get that. But there are people in your family that you may have to set boundaries. Because listen, if there's a relationship in your life, I don't care who it is. 
that every time you're around them, your feelings are hurt. You have to go get, you know, forgive and get inner healed. Every time you're around them, you're having to maybe justify your Christianity. And you're having to constantly fight with them about your Christian faith and what you believe. Or maybe they're the type of people that are continually trying to pull you down spiritually. I mean, in your heart, you have these convictions. You know, you don't want to drink. You don't, you, there's certain movies out there you don't want to watch. There's just convictions you have. And they're continually trying to pull you out of that. These are the type of relationships that you don't need. And you need to set up boundaries with these type of people. And a sign of a soul tie in an unhealthy way is that people have others in their life that there's an element of control there. And they have a hard time breaking free from that control. And let me tell you why this is so important that you break every soul tie and become healthy. Because somebody that has a soul tie issue, they tend to be real needy. They, they need attention, affection, they, they're real needy. And here's what will happen if they don't deal with it. They're going to find themselves going everywhere they go in life. They will end up connecting to the wrong person. And that person will kind of control their life. They may end up in a wrong marriage. They may end up at a wrong church. It could be really controlling leadership. Or it could be a good church, but they'll find the one person in that church that has an issue and they'll connect with that person. That person will kind of take them under their wing or whatever and it'll be an unhealthy thing. That's a sign of a soul tie in someone's life that needs to be broken is that they have a tendency to be needy and to gravitate toward people that will control them. That needs to be broken. We don't need to be the type of people. Listen, all we need is Christ. And all we need in our lives are healthy relationships. See, that's the thing about a soul tie. It can, it can cause unhealthy relationships that don't need to be in your life. And some of you, you need to maybe cut off some relationships and get rid of some people. You may need to delete some people from Facebook or whatever. And you need to maybe um, set up boundaries with others to where even though you spend some time with them, it's limited. Irrational behavior, as I mentioned, is a major sign of a soul tie. Somebody that has irrational behavior would be somebody that you go and you try to talk to them about something negative and they just flip out. They cannot handle it. They're, they're bawling. They're upset. They're frustrated. They just cannot handle a normal conversation about, well, you know, maybe you should work on this. And they just, they can't handle it. Or they'll be driving down the road and they're the type of people that whenever things aren't going right, you know, their car breaks down or whatever, they're outside cussing the car and kicking it. And Listen, it's a sign, it really is, it's a sign of a soul tie that there's irrational behavior 
and there's not healthy emotions. There's, there's a torment there. Irrational. People are somewhat owned and controlled by those that they have a soul tie to in a negative way. Not talking about the positive, but the negative. The Lord is telling them something. Like you need to go into the ministry or you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to go to this school. I want you to do this. This is the Lord talking to them. But they have an unhealthy soul tie with somebody that's trying to control their life that's telling them the opposite. The thing about Jesus is, is He's not going to share you. So you need to go ahead and get that resolved in yourself that He's a jealous God. He wants the whole thing or nothing at all. So if you're owned by Him partially, but there's somebody else that owns part of you and is trying to control your life, and there's this tug of war going on between what Jesus wants and what they want, there's going to have to be that soul tie broken. And you're going to have to go with Christ, okay? Because the Lord's not going to share you. And to a degree, somebody that's controlling you owns part of you. And you need to break that. People can have a soul tie toward the past. Let me, let me talk just for a moment about the Pharisees. There was one time, you know, you look at Jesus' life dealing with the Pharisees. There was one time that I was, I was in this church praying, and uh, the pastor that was there had finally broken that church out of some really old traditional things and helped move them forward you know, anyway, and I remember walking through there and there was this older gentleman that was earnestly praying. And when I walked by him, I could not believe what I was hearing because here the pastor was working his tail off to get this church out of a major rut. Like raising them from the dead rut, getting them out and moving them forward. And this old man was over here and he was earnestly seeking Jesus that they would go back. He was praying against the past. And some people are like, it's, it's a religious spirit. You hear me? And there's almost like some kind of a soul tie. It's the only way to explain it. Toward traditions of men. The way things used to be. The good old days. And they're constantly wanting to go backward. You remember there can be a soul tie not only to your past, but to places. Look, look at the story of Lot and his family were living in, in Sodom. The angels came to him, get out of town. The, the angels had to help him out. And Lot's wife had such a soul tie to that city that she her heart was still there. And she turned back to look and God, of course, made her a pillar of salt. The children of Israel, even though they came out of Egypt, with signs and wonders. They had plundered. On their way out, you got to understand, there was none weak or feeble. God had healed them. They came through the Red Sea. They had plundered Egypt. They had all of Egypt's wealth. And they had watched God just crush Egypt's economy. Then, once they got on the other side of the Red Sea, they watched God drown Pharaoh's military. So they watched God crush 
the most powerful nation of that time's economy and military right before their eyes. And when they got out in the wilderness, they continually grumbled and complained about yesterday. They wanted the food of the past. They wanted to go back. They had some kind of a tie to their past. They continually wanted to go backward to Egypt. That's a sign of a soul tie. Always talking about yesterday. Some people live their lives with a tie to their past. If they don't deal with it, then they're going to wander in Egypt. I'm sorry, they're going to wander in the wilderness and possibly die there. Now, there can also be ties, soul ties, not only to places, but to things like gangs. Um, I know, you know, there's people that I know that grew up with their friends, and it wasn't like a, when you use the word gang, you, you think of something really negative, but... There was a group of guys, they did everything together, they grew up in the same city, now they're older and they're still buddies. Okay. And when they were younger, they might have hung out and had some kind of pact, you know how people do growing up. And so they had some kind of pact together. And they, But here's the question, now that you're older and now that you've become a Christian, how much influence does that still have over you? How much influence do your friends still have over you that are not Christians? There can still sometimes be an unhealthy soul tie there. There's definitely an unhealthy soul tie with the Freemasons. I know people here are not involved, but if people listening are involved, you need to renounce it and break out of that. There can be a soul tie even to political parties because some people, they're like a diehard about some political party that is long ago abandoned Christ. We're talking a long time ago, abandoned Christ. So why would you be a diehard? Listen, when it comes to political lines, I vote whatever is right with Jesus. That's all I care about. There can even be an unhealthy soul tie with jobs. Some people get up in some kind of management position and, and they base their life on this career and this place. And, and there, there can be an unhealthy tie there. There can be an unhealthy tie with colleges. I'm a modern. And there can be an unhealthy tie with fraternities. This is one of those things where Jesus just wants everything. He wants your whole soul, and he wants every other tie severed that's not of him. Anything that's hindering you or holding you back. What about objects of affection? Some people have things, they go back to their past. When you become a Christian, you need to go through your life and get rid of everything that needs to go. Any objects of affection, anything that's not of Christ, you need to get rid of it. And even things that people have given you. Some people have things from others. I remember a friend of mine. He was telling me one time. He's in the ministry. And he was telling me that there was a... Somebody had given him this gift. Actually, I, I mean, they had dated. And, but he wasn't real serious. But this person was really infatuated with him. But he prayed about it. Didn't feel good about it. But he, he remembered the Lord had shown him. She had given him something. And it was, it was a tie to her. And he said he never really had peace until he got rid of it. So sometimes there can be something with things in your life, some kind of object that is almost like it you know, has a tie there, something that's controlling. Another thing is there can be secondary soul ties. You may have a healthy tie with somebody in your life that you're a close friend to, but what about 
who do they have soul ties to? Are you hearing me? Because it may not be healthy on your end of it, but if they have unhealthy ties, it could still spiritually affect you to some extent. There's people that live their lives, they're very codependent and needy, and they seem to be totally dependent on teachers and pastors, and they seek out somebody that will think for them. Something you need to avoid is relationships that the person wants to think for you. You know when people come out of prison, did you know that they, for so long they've had other people think for them? That they'll, This is true. They'll stand there at McDonald's and they'll be looking at a menu and it's the hardest thing to make a decision. Because for so long, they've had everybody else make their decisions for them. That's not healthy. And there's people that live like that where everybody else has thought for them enforce decisions on them and they're not even thinking for themselves. I know that there are people from the sinful past or maybe they had been betrayed and hurt by a spouse and, and, and therefore they have some kind of an ex-spouse in their life. Listen, that's, that can be a soul tie big time is, is exes. And that needs to be broken because you know you may have had an ex that cheated on you and now you've moved on as a Christian, and God's wanting to bring somebody else in your life. But you know what? If you don't break that tie from the past, it'll try to carry over into the future. So these are areas where there can be unhealthy soul ties, and it desperately needs to be broken. And one of the things God had showed me as I was praying about this, I saw... The Lord, you know, a soul tie acts like a pipe that goes from you to the other person, and there's something trafficking back and forth. Spiritually, it's a spiritual thing. And I saw the Lord, when I was praying about soul ties, I saw the Lord break that. And if you've ever taken something like a rope or something and cut it, and then you take like a lighter and you burn the end of it so that it cannot be, it's not frayed at the end. It's, it's, yeah. You know what I'm trying to say, okay? Anyway, and you take it, you, you burn it, and that's what I saw the Lord doing. It was like He cut that in half, and the fire of the Holy Spirit burned that to where it could not reattach. Because sometimes, even though you break something, the enemy still tries to reattach that. So here's what I want to do. I want us to pray. As I go, we're just going to pray. Is this okay? We're just going to pray about some things. People that are listening to this, watching. Listen, friend, I've been praying for you. God's going to touch you where you're at. So let's all pray. I'm going to lead you in a prayer about soul ties and ask the Lord to break these. So just pray this out loud. Jesus, Jesus. I, ask I ask forgiveness for any unhealthy, for any unhealthy soul, ties soul ties that's ever been in my life. Ever been in my Forgive, me Forgive me for letting people control me. Unhealthy relationships. And I ask you right now to sever every soul tie and set me free. And let the fire of your spirit burn the end of that. It will not be able to reattach. And in the mighty name of Jesus. I command these ties to be broken. I command these ties to be broken. 
right now. And anything that's been in my life. Because of soul ties. To be bound. And go in Jesus name. Right now. So let me just pray for you guys. Agree with me. As a matter of fact, could you pray in the spirit real quick? Father, we lift this up right now that any soul ties, those that couldn't even be here tonight, Lord, those that, that may come in the future, Lord, we speak that unhealthy soul ties regarding this ministry will be broken in Jesus' name. The axe is laid right now to the roots. And Lord, we ask you to send the angels of the Lord to enforce this victory and anything that's been in people's lives because the soul ties will leave in Jesus' name. We break these now. And whatever's been like lost, it's been pulled away. Lord, we ask you to restore that even right now in Jesus' name. Amending in a healing. We believe, Lord. We thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Alright, let's look at mental strongholds. If you'll look real quick on the last page at some of the pictures. Just have it there, but look this way at me for a moment. So your soul area is like real estate. Whenever you go and you purchase a plot of land, there could be anything on that land. You have to go through there, you've got to clean it out. Okay? But here's how it works. When there's been things in your soul area that are deceptions and lies, things that you've believed and accepted as truth that's not truth, Remember, what did Paul say? He said, the weapons of our warfare are mighty to the pulling down strongholds. And he said, bringing into captivity every thought, making it obedient to Christ. See, your mind, if you're not careful, you can believe things that are deception and not truth. It's a lie of the enemy. And what happens is, it's just like that picture in the middle, there becomes like a black spot on the soul where there's deception. And because of that, the enemy begins to create a stronghold there. A stronghold is a bondage. And over the top of that stronghold is where the principalities and powers control an area and they affect people. See, here's how it works. The principalities and powers over this region, they only have as much power and authority as people allow them to. And see, people are are accepting things in their mind that aren't true. And therefore, those spirits over this region can manipulate their lives because of their mind. And when you become a Christian, you get washed in the blood and you're covered in the blood and you're born again. If you'll renew your mind and not allow that, that wrong thinking in your mind, the princes and powers cannot manipulate your mind. And that's what I'm dealing with when I deal with strongholds. I wanted to give you a mental picture. So go back to the notes and follow me real quick. I want to touch on this. I'm trying to get actually to the last point. It's what I want to focus on more. But we need God's fire to burn out any wrong thinking. Amen? The Bible says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may, may be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you need to renew your mind. Now this is ABCs. We've already talked about this, but I'm still going to go through it real quick. Whenever thoughts come into your mind that are not supposed to be there, you need to throw them out. 
That is what renewing the mind means. Anything that's coming into your mind that's not supposed to be there. It's, it's bitter. It's unforgiving. It's angry and hateful, lustful, whatever. You need to take that and throw it out. And you renew your mind to think on things that please the Lord. Alright, so this is how strongholds form. Your culture affects your mind and the way you think a lot more than you probably realize. The fact that you grew up in America, your ethnic background and upbringing, that's your culture. There's things in your culture, wherever you grew up in the world, people may be listening to this in Canada, in Europe, Middle East, whatever. Wherever you've grown up, your culture, your ethnic group and your culture, what you've grown up around, tremendously affects the way you perceive things. Some of it may not be bad, and some of it may be very bad. And now as a Christian... You need to let the Lord burn out any of those old ways of thinking that are not of Him. See, when I became a Christian, my cultural background, look, I look at it like this. Now, I'm a Christian. That's my culture. You know, some people take so much pride in stock. You know, one of the, one of the um, I'm part Indian, Cherokee Indian. And so I know people that they just make so much out of their culture. But listen, I, lo- I love them. Okay, that's my family and ancestry, and I pray for them. I don't mean this disrespectfully, but the, the Native American Indians is steep with witchcraft and occult practices. There's nothing about it that's appealing to me anymore as a Christian. You know, I love them and I pray for them, but I'm not carrying over my old cultures into my Christianity. I want my mind to be renewed. I want all the old stuff to be flushed out of my life but your culture affects you. You know, the fact that we've grown up here in America and the way Americans perceive things, the way we think. Also, your parents, their views, the way you were raised, the teachers and instructors, instructors you had throughout school and college. Let me tell you, the call, especially college, because in schools, you know, they try to keep it just to where it's just educational and that's it but in colleges there's there's such a spirit over colleges that professors it doesn't matter if they're trying to teach algebra it doesn't matter if they're teaching history economics science whatever it is they want to intertwine into their teaching as much of their anti Jesus Christ beliefs as they can and I don't know why except that there's a spirit about it and people are going to colleges and they're continually hearing mixed in with truth there may be truth about you know whatever they're studying but they're getting a lot of that professor's junk too denominations and pet doctrines can form strongholds i'm not saying this in necessarily a bad way but there's there's a a a spirit about denominations it's not necessarily a bad thing i'm just saying there is you can get around a Baptist and before long you can tell they're a Baptist. You get around somebody that's assembly of God, it's not long to tell what they are. They're, they're just, there's something about it. But let me say in general, I'm talking about all denominations all over the world. 
is that denominations are man-made and there cannot be this unhealthy allegiance to it. That can be a soul tie right there. Okay, But also there's some error. There's pet doctrines. There's things that, that, that are there that have to do with politics. Now listen, I'm going to go ahead and talk about this for a minute. I'm going to give you some examples. I have a friend of mine who holds papers with a particular denomination and goes out and does ministry. And he was talking to somebody in his denomination and, and the person was asking, well, when you go out, are you, who are you working with? And he happens to be working with people where he's going that's not affiliated with that denomination. And the other guy said, well, don't be surprised if they don't pull your papers. See, there's so much politics. And this needs to be said. I'm not being mean. I'm not being hateful. And I'm not against denominations. But let's just go ahead and say sin is sin and righteousness is righteousness. And let's just put it out there. So whenever you've got all these politics, you know why the apostles and prophets are such a threat to denominations? Because it goes directly against their political structure. They get in positions of power through a democracy where they vote. It's a popularity contest. It's who's got the most money, who can campaign. And when you're dealing with true apostles and prophets, you have people that are ordained from God. They don't have to spend all that money, jump through all the hoops, meet all the right people, and do all the right things to get in positions of authority because God has invested authority in them from heaven. And that's His government. And the problem that denominations have with apostles and prophets is they can't control them. They want them to become a part of their denomination so that they can control them. A lot of it goes back to money. There's people, and I'm not being mean, I'm just saying, there's people that are sitting pretty right now, financially speaking. They're sitting pretty. And you deal with rocking their boat financially, they don't like it. Well, somebody needs to say it. But these denominations and these pet doctrines, listen, that stuff can form strongholds. So you need to pray that everything that's error, everything that's not truth, all the stuff you grew up that influenced your life, that God will burn it out. He'll clean it out of you and free you from it. Some people have grown up around maybe prejudice. It grieves me when I look, for example, when I look in the Middle East and I see some of these um, you know, Arab children that are growing up and they're being taught at such a young age to hate Jews. I mean, think about it. From the, what chance do they have, really, without Jesus? From the time they're born, they grow up their whole lives, they're taught that Jews are pigs. And they're taught that they're subhuman and, they're, and, and hatred is put in them. And so whenever they become a Christian, they're going to have to let Jesus burn that out. I'm giving you examples, but it goes you know, all over our society and all over many societies of the world that there's so many different things that have, have been put in people that God needs to take it out. What views did you have prior to salvation? What personal beliefs, what, what lies did you believe as an individual? The friends that you had growing up. And let me encourage parents 
Don't neglect your kids. Teach them the Bible. Don't give them over to Hollywood. Don't give them over to college professors. Make sure that you've instilled in them biblical truths and get them around the power of God. Some young people have grown up and they've never, you know, they, they, they've never had a, a good chance in life because their parents neglected them and just kind of gave them over to the television and that's what indoctrinated them. I heard one preacher say about disciplining his kids, he said it was interesting how miraculous the connection of the paddle with the hiney would produce supernatural miracles because he said the stupidest minds would become geniuses in just a moment. The blindest eyes that didn't see a thing all of a sudden were 20-20 vision, you know. Listen, we need, we need godly discipline. Amen? But here's what I want to pray. I want to lead you to prayer that God burn out everything that needs to go. That's one thing that I've been praying. And, you know, as we're planting a church and as we're doing what we're doing, I've been trying to keep out religion, and I will do so. But I'm going to tell you that that is all around. And I know you don't want it, I don't want it, but I don't want politics in church. I don't want religion. I don't want traditions of men. What we want is Book of Acts, Christianity. So anyway, just pray this with me, Jesus. All the error, any deception, any lies, burn it out of me. Holy Spirit, fill me and let your fire burn it all out. All American Christianity, denominational Christianity, all deceptions, all lies of the enemy, things I've believed that aren't true. Burn it out. Replace error with truth. And bring light into the darkness. I thank you for it. Right now. In Jesus' name. If you would, just put your hand on your heart for a second. I'm going to pray for you. And those that are, that are listening or watching. Father, I want to pray for these that are here. Lord, that right now as we pray, and, and everybody's agreeing with me, we're praying corporately. Lord, that the fire of your spirit would begin to burn out of every heart and every mind, everything that is not of you. Lord, burn it out. Lord, I pray that you'll systematically pull down every stronghold and that people will renew their minds. There's things maybe they used to believe and they used to think that way, but by the power of the Spirit of God, they're now going to pull down those strongholds and bring every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. They're going to renew their minds and there's going to be change. And we declare it now in Jesus' mighty name. All right, so let me deal with this last point. This is what I wanted to get to. I wanted to deal with imprisonment. Go down to the pictures real fast. This is what I'm going to close with. 
On the bottom right, you see the heart that's broken. And there's pieces, there's fragments there. And if you look to the left, there's a fragmented soul. What you've got to understand, a fragmented soul is a wounded soul. It's been hurt. It's been wounded. But a, a wounded soul can affect your weight. It can affect your physical fitness, sexuality, career, religion, health, friendships, finances. It can literally affect everything. That's why, 3 John 2, that's why he said, I pray that you be in health and prosper as your soul prospers. That you, and the word prosper there has to do with you doing good in life. He was saying, I pray that you do well in life. That things go well for you in life as your soul gets along well as it prospers. Because your soul's prosperity, a whole, a healed soul, has to do with the quality of your life. But see, your body and your spirit are, are bodies. I mean, one's physical, one's a spirit, but they're bodies. But your soul is not a body. Your soul is something that can literally be fragmented. That can be broken. That's why when I said people that, that have soul ties, part of them is lost into someone else. That's a lot more literal than what maybe some people took that. When the soul tie is broken, God can bring that back, but the soul can literally be fragmented. It's different. That's why you read all the scriptures you do about things like this. I'm going to read you some of them. In Psalm 23, 3, you know, Jesus is the good shepherd. Remember John 10? He talked about how he's the shepherd. Psalm 23 talks about the shepherd. And it says that he, the first thing is talking about him restoring your soul. Remember that? He'll lead you beside still waters, green pastures. He will restore your soul. So I looked up restore as I want to know what the Hebrew said. It actually means to return it to the starting point. That's what it means in the Hebrew. It's like taking it back to its original, whole, complete state. And I believe that's not only putting the pieces back together and healing it, but the Lord can also erase some bad memories. You see what I'm saying? He can heal you. There's a restoration of the soul. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a broken heart. It's fragmented. It's broken. And then the scripture I already quoted, 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way, and that your body may be well, even as your soul keeps well and prospers. But listen to Luke 4.18. Jesus said about himself, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and, re and release the oppressed. Now, I want you to focus on this. Proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Some people, they're imprisoned in certain areas of their life spiritually. And that's a lot more realistic than what... It's not just symbolic. It is realistic. They're imprisoned. And the Lord wants to break that. He wants to break the captivity and set people free. So let me give you a few more scriptures. I'm going to explain something. I'm going to take a few minutes here because... This is something probably that you've never heard, and I want to make sure I'm clear. Did you know Satan has stolen some stuff from you and probably your ancestors? Did you know that's rightfully yours? 
Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to, to bring life. In Proverbs, it says that when a thief is caught, he must restore sevenfold. We need to be contending for this. I don't know about you, but it's like when the Bible says I can have something, it's like, okay, I want to have that. And the last thing I want is for Satan to be able to get away with stealing something from me. So listen to what Isaiah 45.1 says. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold up to subdue the nations before him and strip kings of their armor to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through the iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. See, there are things that Satan has stolen and they're locked up in treasures of darkness somewhere. They're rightfully yours. He may have stolen from your ancestors and they would have traveled down the family line to you. But he stole them. And God is wanting to break that, that, that treasure chest, if you will, of the devil, break it open and restore back unto you what's been stolen. Ezekiel thirteen eighteen. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the women. Now listen, this is what I wanted to explain. In the scriptures it says, Woe to the women who sew pillows to all armholes and fasten magic protective charms to all wrists and deceptive veils upon the heads of those of every stature to, listen, to hunt and capture human souls. Y'all read that with me. To hunt and capture human souls. And then the Lord said, Will you snare the souls of my people to keep your own selves alive. This is what I want to take a moment to explain because this is deep. So just follow me. One of the things that Satan is doing through witchcraft is, and this is witchcraft here, they hunt for souls. What Satan's kingdom wants to do is when people go through things in life and they're fragmented, they're broken. It's a trauma, whatever it is. He wants somebody, he wants to be able to come in and to kind of take captive part of somebody's soul. And literally, it's in captivity, and it's like the enemy is just working on that. One of the well, this is the scripture about it here, but one of the things that the enemy does with you know his people is that they'll have these ritual chambers. And just picture this in your mind. There's a ritual chamber and there's people there and they're cursing somebody. Are you following me? They're cursing somebody. And that's kind of what the enemy wants to do. He wants to hunt for souls and he wants to capture some, somebody, part of somebody's soul, if you will, and have the enemy cursing that. And then the person that's in captivity is tormented. Hello? Some people have parts of them that are captive. It's literally like they're, they're in a prison and there's something around them that's trying to torment part of their soul. However that happened, whether it happened through witchcraft, whether it happened through trauma, the enemy somehow captured part of them and it's imprisoned. But I have good news for those that may be dealing with this. Jesus said that he's come 
to release the prisoners. Amen? And set people free. But this is, I believe that this is a lot more real than what people realize. You know, we, we have a lot of understanding, at least in some circles, about the wickedness in the heavenlies. We have a lot of understanding about spiritual warfare when it comes against uh, you know, witchcraft and things like that. But I don't know how much people really understand the other scriptures that's talking about imprisonment, hunting souls, and, and this type of thing. I don't think people have a lot of revelation. But listen, there, there are parts of people that, that are being tormented, and the Lord wants to break that torment and make them a whole person and heal them. And another thing the Lord wants to do is He wants to break these treasure chests of the devil and bring back into your life things that have been stolen. Man, I feel this tonight on this area. I feel a really strong anointing. I do. I wonder how many people have been victim of, of, a, of something hunting for their soul. How many Christians, how many ministers, how many people... And, they, and the enemy's lying in wait, and then they go through something horrible, some kind of trauma in life, some kind of betrayal, whatever. And it's like they're broken. And in that broken place, a fragmented soul, they're wounded. Maybe they, when they were a child and they were molested, it's like a fragmented soul. And something was lying in wait to capture, to hunt and capture part of that soul unto itself and to torment that person. And I, I'm, we're about to deal with this. And I feel a really strong anointing on me right now. I'm trying to stand still for the video. All right. I am. It's everything I can do. Satan's kingdom also operates in cycles. This is, I'm going to close with this and we're going to pray. We're going to break some of this stuff. But Satan's kingdom operates in cycles. Now there can be a thousand examples of cycles. Next week, I'm going to deal with curses and cycles. But I want to give you this this week. This is just one example of thousands, okay? But let's say that there's somebody that maybe because geographically there's a spirit there in that region that has to do with the Jezebel spirit. Let's just pick on that spirit just because I hate that spirit. Is that okay? Okay. So let's say that that spirit is assigned against a person. And therefore, it stirs up rejection and attack against that person because maybe they have a spirit of Elijah about them. And so it stirs up that, and they go through rejection and betrayal. Okay. The next step is now they've got to deal with the unforgiveness, and they need inner healing. Follow me. So first, this spirit causes rejection and betrayal. Now they have to go through forgiveness and inner healing. But the result of all that they've gone through is they start dealing with some sickness, and the relationships that are in their life that they're close to are kind of tense finally they start getting a breakthrough and the spirit hits them again with more rejection and then back here they go they got to go through inner healing again then the attacks against their health and as soon as they start getting a breakthrough more rejection hits are you seeing what i'm saying it's a cycle and the enemy operates in cycles and what you need to do is you need to ask the lord to show you the cycles so that you can break those things. Now that's just one example. There can be any cycles there. Some people it may start with. They have a generational thing with anger. And it stirs up. And then it causes this problem. And then that results in this problem. And then this problem. And then right back to anger again. 
And it's a cycle in their life. Y'all stand with me. Come on. Just jump up real quick. I feel the power of God. Listen, Jesus has come to set the prisoners free. I want y'all just to lift your hands and pray in the Spirit. Father God, right now we forgive anyone that's wrong people in this place in any way. But Lord, everybody is praying in the Spirit. They're agreeing with me right now. And Father God, I speak into the regions and places where people have had imprisoned souls. And I command right now, y'all agree with me? Father, I command in the name of Jesus that these chambers where people have been imprisoned, part of their soul, maybe it's some kind of a, a weird hunting, I don't know, but it's imprisoned. Father, we break those prisons right now. We break down the gates. We destroy these things. Every chain of captivity broken right now. Whew. Whoa. And Lord, we ask you right now that you would release your angels that will drive back the dark forces. I speak to those spirits that have held captivity captive. I bind you in Jesus' name. Everyone represented, I bind those spirits that's been coming against them. I curse you. What you're going to do is you're going to stop what you're doing. You will repair any damage you've caused to them and their family, their bloodline, their ministry. You're going to restore what you've stolen sevenfold. You're going to take everything out that you've sown. You're going to put any disorders back in order. You're going to do it right now, as quick as possible, then go straight into the abyss. Go in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you that whatever's been captive, I break those chains. I command it to be restored back now into people in Jesus' name. Healing, wholeness. Father, I speak things that have been there, that have been stolen from people. It's been stolen in their life. It's been stolen generationally. I speak to those treasure chests and those chains to be broken open right now. Be broken. I command what's been stolen to be restored now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I'm asking you tonight that the blood of Jesus come over these areas of people's lives. Holy Spirit, that you'll fill these areas. Bring healing. Bring closure. Let your fire burn out what needs to go. Lord, I thank you. Let your angels be released that are going to break and drive back the dark forces and help restore back what's been stolen and captive right now. We thank you healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you right now over people's soul area, the blood of Jesus right now. And I speak healing and wholeness right now. I see this. I see like there's things that are mending and being healed in Jesus' name. I need um, Jeremiah real fast. Come here, okay? I want you to help me. you got to kind of go quick with me, though. The healing of the soul now. Now. 